Hey, welcome to Head of Waters Church Podcast. My name is Luke Such. And I'm Scott Meinema. Today we are talking about church membership. So in our New Year's emphasis is on the doctrine of the church. We're calling it Discover Church. Luke, tell me a little bit about how did we how did we land on this emphasis? We, we haven't done the New Year's emphasis as much in the past few years. It used to be a, a regular mainstay of, of just every year. We'd pick something to focus on and try to do the church-wide. We'd all study the same thing at the same time. And we've gone about that in a bunch of different ways. We've looked at what are, what are some things that we are not doing very well that we need to uh, be corrected on as a church? Or on the other end of that spectrum, we've looked at what what should we be encouraging our congregation in? And as we were thinking about doing it this year, uh, culturally, institutions are taking a beating. <laughs> Nobody trusts anything or anybody. I mean, just look at the the public opinion polls of wh- whether it's police or Congress, or well, Congress has never had a very positive uh, uh, view from most of the world, uh, but institutions, school boards, uh, you know, go across the board, hospitals, uh, it's like a... a a, a crisis at an institutional level. Um, I'm sure there are more examples, but who do you trust? Why would you trust anybody? Every, everybody seems to be uh, on shaky ground in a lot of ways. And so we were thinking about that and responding a little bit to the cultural moment. What do we need to remind ourselves from God's word about the institution of the church? Why is this a big deal? Why is it something that we should give our lives to? And uh, I think that's how we got to where we are. Anything you want to add to that? I don't think so. Okay. In this this past week, your message was on presence, and you, in it, among other things, you touched on the importance of church membership. Can yep. we can we dive a little bit more into this topic? Yep. Yeah. So that's that's what we're chatting on today. Um, past week, when we are recording this, I don't know when this will end up being let loose to the wild. Let loose? Is that the proper word? It works for me. Great. Okay. Yeah. As long as, you know, the purpose of language is to communicate. It communicated whether or not it was proper. Yeah, that's another question. So just maybe as a, by way of introduction, um, talk about why church membership is so important. I, I, I think about, because here's, you, you mentioned about being just part of the, the idea of dealing with this topic is just dealing with culturally where we're at. But I think about, in my own ministry, some of the questions that I've fielded or that I have heard with regards to church membership. Uh, like, why do I need to join? Uh, the Bible doesn't even use the term, you know, church membership. Mm-hmm. Or uh, why do I need to even go to church? Uh, don't the... Uh, don't the cost of running a, a church and a, a campus, I mean, couldn't we do something better with that money mm. to, you know, to help people? Or, you know, can I grow spiritually without being in, in the church? Is church really necessary? Uh, and what's the big deal about church anyway? They, those, right. those questions all have a lot in common, don't sure. they? Sure, yeah, all around that same idea. Uh, to to the, the kind of the first question, like, why do I need to be a member? It's not mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, well, the word membership might not be in the Bible, but the concept is all over the New Testament. It's really hard to get through your New Testament without an idea or an assumption that people know who's in the church and who isn't. 
like right so on Sunday when I was preaching through this and this if you missed that message you can go back and watch it it's the Discover Church and I think the subtitle there is Presence um, but it was you know maybe it's seven ten minute section where I just talked about membership briefly and very very quickly the three points on that were that the New Testament assumes that the church is you know who's a part of the church it's just an assumption right so in Acts two the the, the number the three thousand were added to their number. Like, well, that assumes that you had a set number. You you knew who was a part. If you're adding a group to a group, there there's some way of identifying who is within and who is not. It doesn't use the word membership, but that idea is very clearly there. Or uh, I mentioned First Corinthians five, where you have this sexual morality that's happening within the church of Corinth, and the the man who is perpetrating needs to be removed from your assembly, right? Like you, you, he's no longer needs to be taken off the, the membership roles. If I could add our modern lingo to Paul's idea there in first Corinthians five, two, what is he being removed from if it is not an identifiable group? So that's, that's the first thing Like the church just assumes or the new Testament just assumes that the church is known. Yeah. Yeah. I liked on Sunday, you mentioned, I think you used the word implication yes. and that's so good. That's so helpful. And, and there's there's a, a number. You mentioned a, a few. There's an there's quite a few implications in the in the New Testament with regards to the you know to church membership. And so, you know, for example, you mentioned you know the early church. And so, when we look at the implication from the early church, when in the early church, when you came to Christ, mm-hmm. you came to the church. The, the idea, in other words, the idea of experiencing salvation without belonging to a local church was, it was foreign to the New Testament. Yeah, it's, it's a nonsensical idea. It, it, you can't have a Christian without the church. It just, it, it just doesn't work. There's nothing there. I, I don't even know what to do with that. Well, uh, yeah, you mentioned Acts, Acts 2.41, and, yep. and, and so 41 and 42 both. So those who received his word were baptized, and mm-hmm. they were added that day, added to what? Um, right. About 3,000 souls. And and then, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the and the prayers. Mm-hmm. So, so again, the idea of experiencing salvation without being baptized, belonging to a local church, is just, is just foreign. And, and, and in the book of Acts, much of the terminology that we see fits only with the concept of some kind of formal commitment, formal submission to, to a church. I mean, uh, phrases like in just in Acts alone, right, in, in chapter 6, verse 5, the whole congregation, yeah. or in chapter 8, verse 1, the, the church in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. or... In chapter 9, 26, the disciples in Jerusalem, we, we could go on, but there's all kinds of implications from, from the early church. Yeah, I mean, you can extend that idea to almost all of Paul's letters are addressed to this church, right? Yeah. And, and I think probably Galatians is more a regional thing, but almost everything else is like the, the church at yeah. Thessalonica, yeah. this yeah. group of people right here. And, and you know that that's not an abstraction because Paul is literally going to name people at the end of every letter. I know who these people are. Yeah. This isn't just a, an, a, a 
blob of humanity out there that all kind of agree to some things doctrinally. No, th- this is an identifiable group. I, I know who is who is a part of it. So there's that. That the, the New Testament assumes that there or implies a very strong implication that it is known who is a part of the church. Yeah, and and also when we when we talk about implications, you have the 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 implications from the metaphor of the body mm-hmm. in First Corinthians twelve, right? Yep. I mean, um, the original meaning would. It actually uses the word member there, and, yeah. and it's right. It's it's so members not necessarily a, a not not in the scripture, but the original meaning of the word member is member of a body, like like a hand or a foot or an eye or or, or, or a finger. It's that's that's the imagery that that we see there. So, I mean, the question this imagery raises for the local church that Paul's describing is. Who intends to be treated as a hand or a foot or a finger or right? Absolutely. I mean, the the, the idea of a body that's that's held together, right? You know what's a part of your body and what isn't. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very very odd for you. I mean, for some of us, the question of is my cell phone an extension of my body is a legitimate question. But I mean, we're all guilty to some level there, addicted to that stupid piece of glass that I carry around with me in my pl- pocket. But there's no question as to who or or is there an identifiable understanding of who's within the body or not, which, which really goes, like that implication goes to uh, the second point that I had in the sermon on this little section of membership, that the New Testament has all kinds of commands that we are to live out with, we typically call them one another passages, right? So you can go down the list, right? You're to, to bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. You're to serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. You're to submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21. You're to consider others better than yourselves, Philippians 2, 3. You're to look to the interests of others, and Philippians 2, 4. I, I could go on and on and on. Comfort one another, First Thessalonians 4, 18. Who are you supposed to do those things with? There has to be some target it's not just to all Christians, although there is some element of truth there. You have a unique responsibility to those who you are in a local fellowship with to fulfill those commands of Scripture. So again, the New Testament assumes that the church is known and identifiable and then commands you to behave in a certain way within the church to one another. And that is a, a big deal. There's no no small understanding there of to how much of the New Testament is pointed to that end. Yeah. Yeah, the the commands, the exhortations to this kind of ministry, they they presuppose that believers have committed themselves to other believers yes. in, in some specific local assembly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, let me pull a quote from uh, Hansen and Lehman's book, Rediscover Church, that we've been working with closely. Uh, and I don't remember who wrote this chapter. So one of them wrote, uh, page 49, if you want to go find it, Jesus organized Christianity this way. He means to center our Christianity around regularly gathering together, seeing one another, learning from one another, encouraging and correcting one another, loving one another. Spiritual things happen when Christians stand elbow to elbow, breathe the same air, join our voices in song, hear the same sermon and partake of one bread. You look around and think, I'm not alone in this faith. What might we do together? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's good. So really what we're saying is church membership is just simply the formal way to make this happen. Yes. Right? 
it, it is a, a structured uh, response to faithfully living out our New Testament. I don't want to do that in an ad hoc, just kind of accidentally step into loving other people. I want to bind myself to them, and I don't want to try to, to give myself an out if I don't want to. The Bible doesn't give you that out. Don't try to take it. So implications of the one another commands of Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, another interesting implication would be the implication of the elder or pastor's responsibility to care for their people. Yep. Right. Church memberships, it, it, I think it's implied in the way New, New Testament requires elders to care for the people in their charge. Um, for example, in Acts 20, verse 28, Paul tells the elders how to care for their flock. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he has obtained with his own blood. I mean, the question that comes to me is, how are they supposed to know who their flock is, right? Yeah. Who, who, are, who are we as elders, pastors responsible for? for? For whom are we supposed to give an account to God for? Is it, is it, is it just everybody that shows up yeah. on, on, a, on a given Sunday or a given Wednesday? What, who, who are those people? And, and we know it can't be that because in 1 Corinthians, Paul has an understanding that there are unbelievers amongst your midst. Mm. So it's not everyone who's present, who's physically in a space— it is those who are a part of the church. Well, how do we differentiate between those two? Again, to your same point, just in Peter's words, 1 Peter 5, 2, oh. shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Okay, who is the shepherd of flock among you? How are they named? How are they identified? The way that we do that is through church membership. So, yeah. and, and the one that I used in the, in the sermon uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. If you have not placed yourself, and and I would include myself, I would include you, Scott, mm-hmm. I would include everybody who's a believer. If you've not placed yourself under the uh, submission, submitting yourself to your elders and leaders of your church, how? You're, yeah. you're negating commands in the New Testament. Yeah. I, mean, I need people to, cor- to correct me when I go wrong. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. Right? And that, and, and, and that's really when we get into even talk about what is church membership. There, you, Two words that you just mentioned, commitment and submission. Those are both, I mean, committing to one another, committing to a local body, and submitting to a group of pastors, elders. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the... Just in thinking about this, this implication of the pastor elders' responsibility to care for their people, you know, one of the things that I've I've noticed in my own life and in, in the life of you know those that I've ministered to is that if a person doesn't want to be held accountable by a group of elders or pastors or or to be the focus of the care of a group of elders, they're going to tend to resist membership. Mm. That's that's. Uh, you know, just kind of cutting through all of the gray, I've often found that, and again, I would include myself in this years ago, um, there's a there's something going on at the heart level for yeah. someone who, you know, especially as we we see all these implications of Scripture and we just say, oh, I'm, I'm not convinced. And oftentimes, you ask questions, it's, I just, I don't want to be held yeah. accountable. I want to be 
Um, I don't need which the body. Which means you need it all the more, right? right. <laughs> That's the exact <laughs> That's function why. for which it exists. Note to uh, self. Yeah. yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, and then, you know, again, just a, kind of along the same lines, when we talk about implications, how about the implication of the Christian's responsibility to submit to their elders? I mean, this is... Um, it, this is this is all over, and and I know the the S word is is kind of a you know, a four letter word, right? I mean, children dread the submit word, and employees dread it, and wives dread it, and citizens dread it, and church members dread it, and yet a God who loves us and cares for us and wants His best for us has ordained these structures of authority, and the church is one of those, and there is no perfect pastors and elders, and yet. In Hebrews 13, 17, you mentioned this earlier, obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over yeah. your souls as those who will give an account. Yeah, the whole Christian life is one of submission. Mm-hmm. I've said this many times before. Every believer is called to submit to Christ, submit to His Word, submit to their elders. That idea should not be something that we bristle at if we are viewing the world through the lens of the Bible. If we're viewing the Bible through the lens of the world, yeah, I understand it. I get why. We don't, I mean, we are red-blooded Americans. I don't want to submit to anybody. I'm free. Don't leave me alone. Well, you've got to reconcile your faith first and then work your way out to how you relate to other people. Don't do it the other way around. You're, you're going you're gonna to skew your, your vision all over the place. Yeah, so as you know, as you read that text, who is that New Testament? Who who is it referring to that we must submit to a s- specific group of leaders? I mean, w- without membership, yeah. how do, how do we do that? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> In short, um, well, one other implication there, a, a big just like practical consideration for us as a local church, at the size that we are, on any given Sunday morning, there's. 15, 20 people teaching at any given moment in kids' classrooms and youth and adult classrooms and and a variety of different functions and and environments. Well, how are we to keep watch over everyone's soul if not everyone teaching is holding to the same doctrinal statement, Mm -hmm. right? So just for us at a practical level, if you're not a member here, you're not allowed to teach. Why? Because as staff, as elders, as pastors, we... We believe that we have a very strong call from the Bible to watch over this flock, and to do that, I want to make sure that we are doctrinally consistent and truthful and held to the highest of standards. Membership is one way that we—it's really one of the first line of defense for that, to make sure that the members are the only people who are able to teach ensures that we have some doctrinal consistency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the The persons refuse to join a local church. They have no leaders. Hmm. They're their own leader. And again, that that usually doesn't end well. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you a question. We we've been typically when I've been thinking about this, a lot of the way that I've been approaching the question has tried to address people who are not members but are semi functioning as members. Hmm. Um. What about the other side of that? People who are members but don't function like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
what, where do we, I mean, you probably see this in the counseling environment as well. We're like, oh, you are a member of the church, but you're not behaving in any way that would reflect that. Yeah. And, and so I can be a member of a church. I think this is what you're saying. I can be a member of a church and not be committed. Mm-hmm. So the, going back to those two words, right, commitment and submission, I can be a member of a local church. I've went through the formal process. I've been in a member's class. Um, I've had my elder interview. I'm a member, and yet I'm not committed to the one another's. I'm not committed, and I'm not placing myself under the submission purposefully, intentionally of, of that local group of pastors. We, you know, that's one of the things in the counseling room that we see, uh, you know, pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, is what is is both of these types of people, and I'm not suggesting that people that aren't that are members don't struggle. We all struggle, and we all sure, need help. It's sure. part of yep. right part of the whole metaphor of the body. Yes, but oftentimes, even in the counseling room, we find that you know, we discover that the person has intentionally, maybe unintentionally, removed themselves from the local body of believers. They're not attending church, right? And not, and I don't mean attending it as in checking a box, but I mean attending it because they're they're. They're going to check a box, but they're not. They're not involved in giving uh, of themselves. They're not ministering to others. They're not participating in the one another's. Maybe another way to say it, and I, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but if they go at all, they tend to be just takers. They tend to be mm. consumers, and yep. so it's 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 take 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 take. And there isn't. I mean, in the New Testament church, we do see. Um, the receiving of the word, the public proclamation of the word, the hearing of the word, and so there is a uh, a part of it that's taking, but there's also a huge part of it that's that's giving. I mean, serving in the local church, serving one another's, and so again, we we work on helping people understand that's part of God's means of grace. You, it it, it would be like somebody saying, uh, yeah, 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 I'm. I'm. I know I'm a Christian. I know God loves me, but I want nothing to do with the Bible. I want nothing to do with prayer. I want nothing to do with the local body. I mean, those are all key means of grace. That, right. And you wonder why you're struggling. <laughs> you wonder why you're, you're having a tough time. You wonder why you're you're weak in your faith, brother, sister. You have intentionally or unintentionally pulled back from the very gifts that God has given us to grow in. Faith to grow in Christ likeness. Yeah, my car's not working well, but I'm against mechanics. You know, like I, okay, I don't know what to tell you at that point. You, yeah, you're, you're going to end up with a broken down car. I'm against gas yeah. and oil and all of the the things that were intended and designed by the chief engineer to help me to function the way that I was intended to do, and so. Um, yeah, the uh, I'm not sure where how we got on that particular question, <laughs> but 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 the idea there is that you know the local body, as imperfect as it is, right, is sure God's good design for me to grow and grow and to become more like Christ, to strengthen my faith. To in in other words, I need to be more than just I think. Maybe this is kind of a, our soft landing here, but I need to be more of a, a a taker. I need to also be a giver. And so whether you go to church or you don't go to church, 
am I just keyed in on on taking and right. and, and so uh, th- now I remember. So your question, your question was, yeah, can you People go? Can you be a member? Not functioning as one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the um, so we've talked about these implications. Um, you you touched on the implica- I mean, again, my word maybe uh, not yours, but the implication of church discipline yeah. of church members who refuse to repent of sin. You know, without you know, we could we could spend a whole podcast right on unpacking the 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 beauty of church discipline, mm-hmm. but yet there's implications in that, right? From you mentioned First Corinthians five, but Matthew eighteen. Matthew eighteen. Yep. Yeah, I, it's a weird thing for a lot of people who have never uh, witnessed or, or really been a part of a place that practices church discipline. I always tell people, it's one of my favorite things. And they're like, what are you talking about? Because every time that we have an instance of church discipline, where it actually gets to the level, right? There, there's a, a long road of church discipline here at Headwaters, and it's only the last step that we go before our congregation and say, this member is being placed under church discipline for this reason. Mm-hmm. But always, that conversation is held with a, the reason we do this is so that we can know and delight when they return and yeah. come back to the Lord, because we wander sometimes. But, I mean, right, the metaphor that the Bible always uses for us is sheep, right, which seems awfully unfair to sheep, if we're going to be honest. We, we are just prone to foolishness, and we wander away. And I need people who are going to bring me back when I've chosen to go in a path of self-destruction or of sinfulness that is just unrepentant, right? That is that is the, the mark that leads to church discipline, unrepentant sin. Yeah. And if I have sin in my life that I'm going, yeah, I know you're saying that sin. I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing it. Well, don't you want someone to come alongside you and say, no, for the good of your faith, for the good of your family, for the good of your church family— we can't let that go unaddressed. Yeah. That has to be addressed. It's like, again, I mean, we had a car metaphor. We go to our house. It's like an electrician coming in and saying, yeah, you've got electrical problems. You go, no, 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 put the drywall back up. Let's paint over it. We're all good here. That's going to end in a house fire. Like yeah. You need to deal with that problem. And if you aren't placed, on, if, if church discipline is not a part of the conversation, the, the body's going to be weaker. So a couple of implications from from church discipline, right? I mean... I think what you're saying is, one, there's ultimately in Matthew 18, the fourth step is to remove the person from the local body. So in that, there's an implication of being in and being outside. (laughs) Right, back to our initial conversation, that the church is identifiable. We know who's in and who isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the other implication is um, that a person can be removed from the church. In other words, there's a there's a formal re- removal. Yeah. So how would a formal removal be possible if there was no such thing as, you know, clear membership or right. some kind of formal commitment and submission, whether that's signing a letter or verbal but y- yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it, I mean <laughs> It isn't. <laughs> That's the answer. It's not possible. You can't remove somebody from something they don't belong to. Yeah. And belonging is cannot just be, I, I, I'm there. I'm physically present. 
uh, there's there's just more to there's a higher bar from that scripture. I love John Piper. Uh, he had a quote on this. He said, "Church membership is a blood." bought gift of God's grace. Mm. More than the rest of us realize, it's a life-sustaining, faith-strengthening, joy-preserving means of God's mercy to us. And he goes on, he says, I urge you not to cut yourself off from this blessing. Yeah, that's great language. a means of God's grace, right? Like This is an opportunity for you to have the grace of God poured out on you. Don't block it. What a silly idea to, to try and remove yourself from the grace of God. So as we wrap this up, what are some good resources for someone who wants to unpack this a little bit more, go a little bit deeper? Yep. Anything Mark Dever's written. So it go. I mean, you start with kind of his, his initial uh, nine marks, the book Nine Marks, which is available online in PDF. You can go, there's a chapter on church membership. This is why membership is one of, if you are unfamiliar, the nine marks of a healthy church. They practice membership. He's got a bunch of others. Uh, uh, the Deliberate Church that he co-wrote with Paul Alexander, I believe. And, oh man, I'm forgetting, it's a white book. It's got a red cover. What is the church? Or uh, the church made visible, something like that. I forget the name of that book. Yeah. Well, how about you? Other yeah, resources? Well, I think, you know, the the one that our ABFs have been informally yeah, working yeah. through, right? Rediscover Church by uh, Kevin Lehman and uh, Colin Hansen. Uh, the local church uh, by a guy named Edward Clink yep. is a is a good book. Oh, so. I, I've looked it up. The church and the subtitle is the gospel made visible. So that was the other Dever book on that. Um, all right, I think that's all. I, I I had one other thing that really pushed me to your initial question, and we can kind of wrap it up with this. Um, when COVID started, and uh, things were more unknown than they are now. And I, I heard someone who is a believer say, um, I'm so glad my church isn't meeting right now that we're doing the right thing. And it was so disparaging to me mm-hmm. to see someone—I understand there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of struggle to figure out what is the best way to approach this. I'm not claiming that we did this perfectly at Headwaters. I, I bet we would do some things differently if we had another shot at it. That being said— that idea that was prevalent in a lot of people, I'm, I'm glad we're not meeting. I, I can understand really um, sadly not meeting for a period of time, right? Like that, that to me is the idea of a husband and wife who are like, you know, I'm glad we're living in different states right now. And there isn't a time that, that you should never, right? Sometimes in military, someone is deployed and apart from their their spouse, but they're always longing to be back together that idea kind of fueled this, like, we need to uh, reinforce or correct for some people's misunderstanding that the church is here for your good, membership being a part of that. Um, we should long to be together as a means of God's grace that we share when we come together. It's a unique thing. If you understand it well, um, it will become integral to your life. Last word. Yeah, that's so good. And and so I think our, I, I would just close here. Our prayer is that if you're a, uh, you know, one of the four people that are listening to this <laughs> podcast, I, our prayer would be, and you're not committed and submitting to a local body of believers, that mm-hmm. our prayer would be that you would see the love and the wisdom of God in church membership and experiencing 
that means of grace as far as being part of a local body of, of, of believers. Because in the New Testament, to be excluded from the local church really was to be excluded from Christ. So our prayer is that you are part of a local church. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.